Hello, friends. This is Series 13 of Satisfied. The Series 13 podcast enhanced the perspective Bible study covering the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we gained the biblical perspective on sex and the flesh. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 7 of the Perspective Bible Study. We'll gain the biblical perspective on death and beyond. On March 7, 2014, Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 disappeared from radar in flight and never was seen again. In 2018, the investigation of its disappearance ended with no one really knowing what happened to the plane with its passengers and its crew. Later, a few pieces of debris from that plane did show up on the beach of an island in the Indian Ocean. We know nothing else about it. The mysterious disappearance reminded me of the movie Left Behind. That movie depicts the time when Jesus will return to collect all believing Christians from the earth and take them to heaven with him. In the movie, a plane remained in flight with just some of its passengers missing, the Christians who left behind clothing, jewelry, and other earthly things in their seats. When that really does happen, as described in our lesson today, will there be an intense investigation into what caused the people to vanish, similar to what happened regarding the missing flight full of people in that movie? Trying to understand prophecy about the end times in both the Old and New Testaments is like having a bunch of puzzle pieces that look similar but without the picture on the box top to tell you how to arrange them. All we know for sure are the border pieces. We can put the four sides of the puzzle together. Those are events we know will definitely happen, but we don't know when or how the rest of the pieces fit inside the border. Paul described one event in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is Christ appearing as Savior to gather all believers dead and alive together with him in the clouds. A second event is the great tribulation during which God's wrath against sin is directed toward earth. That is introduced in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Another event is the revealing of the Antichrist described as the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The fourth event is Christ coming in judgment on unbelievers and setting up his kingdom on earth. That's described in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Those are the four sides to our puzzle. Our lesson covered the first side, Christ appearing as Savior to gather all Christians dead and alive together with Him in the clouds. At the beginning of John chapter 14, Jesus declared that He was definitely, positively, you can count on it with certainty, coming back to earth to gather all of his followers and bring them to live in heaven with him. There's no mistake about it. If Jesus said that was going to happen, it will. After all, he promised to his followers that he would be raised from the dead after being crucified. That happened. God keeps his promises. Through his spirit, the Lord inspired Paul to write about this glorious event in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. As you learned in the lesson, there are three groups of people referenced in those verses. Those who have fallen asleep, those with no hope, and those who are still alive when Jesus comes. 
From New Testament teaching, we know that those who have fallen asleep are Christians who have died. We also know that those with no hope are unbelievers who have already died. Since both of those deal with death, let's get the biblical perspective on death first. We'll address those still alive later in this podcast. I hate death. I watched my parents die. I've grieved the death of grandbabies in their mother's wombs who didn't get to grow into babies whose faces I could see and love. Death hurts. As the Bible says, it stings. How did death become part of human existence? Dear listener, it was not part of God's original design for us. Adam and Eve were created to live forever in a perfect environment with total freedom and everything they needed. God gave them only one prohibition. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You know the story. Satan tempted them, they ate, and they experienced death. Immediately, they experienced spiritual death or separation from God. God's life was removed from their spirits. Their bodies began to physically die that day as well. It took 900 years to happen because they were so wonderfully made. Since then, every human is born separated from God, and physical death has been the destiny of both humans and animals. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. Sin entered into the world. The word used there for world is cosmos, meaning the entire world, not just mankind. All calamities and illnesses are a result of sin having affected our world. What this means is that there was no death anywhere before Adam sinned. Otherwise, Jesus' death and resurrection to abolish death means nothing. Death is not nature's way of ridding itself of the unfit, as evolution teaches. Death is the penalty for sin. It has no other reason to exist. Even if you believe in evolution by the very nature and definition of evolution, there is no reason for natural death. Any process that would build life from single-celled bacteria to the magnificence of the human body would have overcome natural aging and death millions of years ago. There is only one explanation, sin. In the Old Testament, God commanded an approach to him that constantly reminded his people of this truth. They had to come to worship him with a blood sacrifice. And every time they brought that animal, there was a visible demonstration that death was the penalty for sin. Something had to die. This animal was the substitute that died in their place. When Jesus began his public ministry, John the Baptist pointed to him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' blood doesn't just cover sin, but takes it away. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, This grace was given us in Christ Jesus, who destroyed death. Jesus Christ was the only sacrifice that God would accept. He hung on that cross. He took the full penalty of sin on his own person. He rose from the dead. His sacrifice so satisfied God the judge that he could extend mercy to us who accept Jesus Christ as Savior. So God's justice has not been violated. 
the penalty has been paid in full. That's why Jesus could say, it is finished, a phrase that was stamped on a paid bill. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 2 that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Do you realize that fear of death is slavery? Such fear is bondage and is what Satan has held over us all these years. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, God takes you out from under Satan's power, and Satan is rendered powerless toward you regarding death. That's what the word destroy means, to render powerless or inoperative. In this verse, it doesn't mean to annihilate. He, the devil, is still active, still alive, but we have been taken out of his control. We covered this release from such bondage in the podcast for lesson two. Therefore, we are no longer in bondage to death. Death for the believer should hold no terror because death for us is a doorway into glory. Death is the way that we just go home. At death, we go to be with the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul described humans as having a body, soul, and spirit. The spirit was once dead, but is now alive because the Holy Spirit dwells there forever. The soul is who we are inside, our intellect, emotions, and will. For simplicity's sake, I will use the term soul from now on to represent our personhood apart from our body. At death, the body decays and reunites with the earth. The soul leaves this earthly tent and is immediately perfected by God so that we enter heaven without any sin at all. The flesh is gone. Remember how we talked about the flesh in the last podcast? Death is part of God's grace because we're released from this flesh of sin. The Bible teaches that the soul of a believer goes directly to the presence of the Lord. That's confirmed in many places, but especially in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. The soul is not annihilated. That's the atheistic view. The soul doesn't just go to sleep and do nothing while waiting to join a future resurrected body. We will be aware of being in heaven and in God's presence. There is no reincarnation as the Eastern religions teach. We don't float on clouds playing harps as the cartoons depict. And there is no such place called purgatory where you must do penance for your sin until you are purged enough for heaven. Everything that needs to be done to get us ready for immediate entrance into heaven has been done by Jesus Christ for you. All anyone must do is believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation. The gospel message is all about what Christ has done. We've covered a lot of this in our study of 1 Thessalonians so far. For a discussion of frequently asked questions about death, see my blog series, Death Swallowed Up in Victory. So that's the biblical perspective on death. Let's look now at what happens to those who have fallen asleep in him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul wrote this, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Those who have fallen asleep in him are Christians who have died. Their souls are with Jesus in heaven, every single one of them, that's our inheritance, our promise from God. We get heaven. 
We say when a Christian loved one dies, I lost my brother or my mother. We didn't lose them. We know just where they are. And death is gain, not loss. We need to change our terminology. Some use the phrase, they passed, rather than passed away. The believer just passed from here into the presence of the Lord. Do we get a temporary body? Scripture doesn't say. We're promised the enjoyment of heaven, so we as believers in God's promises may rest assured that God, who so wondrously created the soul for the body, is able to take care of it also while it is outside of our physical body. One thing is for sure, we are released from the struggle with sin. For those who have died in Christ, Jesus brings their souls with him when he comes to gather his own. Every Christian who has died since Pentecost will be coming with Jesus to be reunited with a newly fashioned resurrected body. Christ's resurrection guaranteed our resurrection. The word resurrection is a word only used for the body, not the soul. Continuing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is what the Lord said through Paul. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Graves will be opened. For every dead Christian, God will fashion new immortal bodies to be inhabited once again by their souls, joining together in the air with the Lord. Hooray! Celebration for sure! But there's more. The Lord's instructions to Paul also included those who were still alive at his appearing. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Those who are still alive will be caught up together with them. The phrase caught up in Latin is rapturo. This has made its way into English as rapture. So this event has been called the rapture for many years. That's such a descriptive word, rapture. According to the dictionary, rapture is the state of being transported by a lofty emotion, ecstasy. Yes, we believers will be in ecstasy to be with our Lord, to see him with our eyes and hear his voice with our ears. We will truly be with him. What a time of true rapture. We will also be given new immortal bodies like Christ's resurrected body. This will happen instantly as we too get a resurrection body, but without having to experience death first. All Christians will have immortal bodies like Christ's body. This coming of Christ for living believers is the only interpretation that fits with Jesus' statements at the beginning of John chapter 14, where he promises to personally come back and take his followers to heaven to the place prepared in the Father's house. Notice that we who are alive and transformed will join together in the clouds with those who had died and received new bodies. Together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. He's calling. We all join him as one group of Christ followers. What a multitude that will be. Millions and millions of newly fashioned, perfect bodies of men and women, boys and girls. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Does that not knock your socks off? Does that not get your blood pumping with excitement for that future event, which could happen at any moment? 
it does mine. This gathering of believers apparently will only be visible to believers, living and dead. Later, Jesus Christ will return to earth and stay on earth. That's his official second coming as described in Revelation chapter 19. That will be visible to everyone. Sadly, many won't experience such rapture, the ones who are left behind. Friends and family will suddenly vanish off this planet. Those who are left behind will mourn the vanished. What kind of speculation will happen then? Some will believe the Bible's promise about the rapture to have been true and will finally believe in Jesus at last. Others will probably come up with some really weird explanation, like snatched by aliens or vaporized by an unknown weapon of some sort. Will the world be sad or happy to get rid of all the pesky Christians? Whoever has said yes to trust in Jesus as Savior will meet him in the air when he comes. We have made the choice. Those who might get left behind have a choice too before it happens. Anyone who has ever heard the gospel or has heard about Jesus can join the ecstasy simply by trusting in Christ now with their lives. How do we get this message out to them so they will take it seriously? One way is for us to have the biblical perspective about our lives now in this world before we're raptured or die and be with the Lord, whichever comes first. The hope of heaven transforms our perspective on death. The scriptures don't teach that we as believers are immune to grief or should deny the sorrow that death can bring. But in Christ, we share in his victory over death. We grieve, but we grieve not as those who have no hope, rather as those who are certain of our reunion with loved ones who have gone before, of receiving a glorious body that will never weaken or decay, of entering a wonderful new life beyond our fondest dreams, and of forever being with our Lord. If you have not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, being separated from him forever is the punishment for sin. Why should you be separated when that penalty was paid for you? All you have to do is recognize that you're a sinner and worthy of the punishment. Then believe that Jesus Christ took that punishment for you and accept him as your savior. A pardon cannot be forced on anyone. A pardon must be accepted. Remember what Jesus promised in John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Isn't that wonderful? The way to heaven is a one-way street. There's no going back. Eternal life would not be eternal if it did not last. Because our God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the sting of death has been removed. It has no power to enslave us any longer. I invite you, if you have never trusted the Lord, to do so today, right now. Pray this prayer with me. Thank you, God, for loving me and for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I trust in Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior and turn my entire life over to you. Amen. If you did that, tell someone today and know with certainty that whether dead or alive, when Jesus comes, you will spend eternity with him. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with his perspective on life in the present and in the future. 
then live securely in Him during this time of waiting. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 13 of Satisfied.